If you like this podcast, check out Studio Red's amazing lineup of podcasts at StudioRedMedia.com. Welcome to QT with RT. I'm Ryan. I'm Todd. And today we're talking about The Mandalorian. So today we're going to talk about The Mandalorian, guys. And today we also have one of our favorite guests on, Evan Wilcox. Our only guest. He's our only guest. Which just means... <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, which just means that Evan uh, won't... We just lost a, a listener. <laughs> Evan won't listen. <laughs> he won't listen to That's it right. now. So now we're down to one listener, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle will still be listening. Uh, so, uh, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Todd's more of a Star Trek fan. Evan is kind of a, I don't know, where are you, Evan? I would say I'm in the middle. Yeah. I would say when I was younger, I definitely liked the Star Trek more, and I watched more Star Trek. There was just more of it. My dad was a Trekkie, but... As I've gotten older, there's just been more recently Star Wars stuff, so I've been more, I don't know, excited about the Star Wars stuff, maybe, because the latest Star Trek stuff hasn't really, like, done much for me, but I'd say I'm I'm kind of in the middle. So all of us have seen uh, The Mandalorian, and actually, when Evan was still living down here in Rome, it would always be me and Evan against Todd as all the Star Wars movies came out. Because mm-hmm. Todd thinks they suck. And me and Evan still continue to try to give them some, <laughs> the benefit of the doubt. Uh huh. <laughs> Todd, quickly tell us two words to describe the solo movie for you. Uh, say that again? Two words to describe the solo movie. The solo movie? Really boring. <laughs> 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 when when your iconic character of Han Solo is named Solo because it's like he goes to a f- federation of whatever the Star Destroyer people and the Empire, like, yeah, and he's like, I need a, I need a name or something. He's like, did you, what's your name? He's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, you're alone, so Solo, like that's how they named him. His name is Han Solo because he was alone. Yeah, he needed a last name. Did they say, what's your name, Han? What's your last name? I don't have a last name. Well, you're by yourself, so how about Solo? And So, anyways, that's how Todd <laughs> feels about the new Star Wars stuff. <laughs> but uh, we are all Disney Plus members now after Todd's raving review on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And uh, now... We wanted to talk about the newest show on Disney Plus that's actually worth watching, The Mandalorian, and give us. We wanted to give our our two cents. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Uh, right, right off the bat, my first thoughts, first impressions. I signed up for Disney Plus. I log in. I see The Mandalorian's already got one episode. I instantly start watching it at like one in the morning. And I see the runtime is like 33 minutes long. So that already was a little bit of a shock. Now, maybe people knew it was going to be that short. I did not know that going into it. I was just assuming like 45 minutes on the short side, 
somewhere in the 50 minute range was what I was expecting. And that's what my hopes were set at. So first impressions, I already was taken aback by that because I knew, okay, this kind of content is going to be different. I need to alter my expectations now. It's more of a short form story. And that was not what I expected. So that was my first impression before I even get into anything else. So I don't know. What did you guys think of that? It doesn't really bother me. I know we talked about this earlier off mic. Still one of my favorite things to say on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, but it doesn't really bother. I didn't really have an expectation that it was going to be shorter or longer. I should have assumed that it would be longer. I, I like Totally, that would make sense that you would think that, Evan, because all the shows that, that come out now, that's what they are for the most part. Streaming shows come out longer. Um, you know, Game of Thrones, all those kind of shows are hour at least. Uh, but in my mind, I wasn't surprised that it was like 30-ish minutes. And maybe because I watch a lot of broadcast television on Hulu, and so I'm kind of used to the like 30-minute platform that just kind of like went by kind of like sort of normal to me. Um, I don't know. Did it bother you, Todd? The length bother you any? Uh. I, I think when they ended, we were kind of like, wait, is that it? Like, it, it it does feel like it's building up the first maybe 20 minutes. Like, it's paced like an hour-long show. And then yeah. I think that's the thing is the whole show is paced like an hour-long show, but they're half an hour. So it's a weird yep. juxtaposition of expectation, what we're used to, and then the final product of watching it. Well, this is a first ever live action right. Disney show. Yeah. So I Correct. think there's yep. also a part that like when we see Star Wars stuff, we assume that we're going to be watching a two hour long movie. Yeah. So it's even kind of weird yep. that it ends then 30 minutes into it. Yeah. Did you guys ever see Firefly? Did any of you guys watch that? Yeah. I watched all of them and, and the movie, Serenity. Evan, did you watch it? No, I haven't watched any, but I've heard raving stuff. So this show just reminds me a lot of Firefly, and even its pacing was very similar to where it's like not a lot of crazy stuff happens each episode. It's more of this like sort of slow building sort of narrative. It'll be interesting to see, I think, as the show continues to go. At recording, we've only seen two episodes so far. Right. Um, so spoilers, we're going yep. to talk about those two episodes. So stop watching or listening right now if you haven't watched those episodes. Uh, but I was, it'll be interesting to see if it does have this huge payoff at the end of the season. If it doesn't, then yeah. I think I'll be really disappointed that like all this like slow buildup of seeing him get butt, you know, bucked off of a a little horse that like kind of animal thing that he has to ride. You or, mean a dinosaur head? Yeah, dinosaur head or the uh, <laughs> with legs <laughs> or the uh, connection with Baby Yoda or like if all this stuff to, or even like him turning in the like metal that he got as a down payment and that whole kind of like very significant yeah. ritual like religious right. like ritual for like making his armor like if all that stuff doesn't like pay off in the end then i'll be like what was yep. why did you waste all that time showing exactly. us that if it's only going to be a 30 minute show but if it all that pays off then i'll be like okay that's fine i feel like yep it paid off pretty well with just seeing baby yoda at the beginning like yeah that for me like, even Allie said when we were watching it, she was like, this is kind of, like, lame. This is kind of hokey, bad bad script and stuff yeah. like that. And then we see Yoda at the end, and it's like, whoa. Yeah. And so that, that 
that's yep. what got me. And then obviously the next episode was just how cute Baby Yoda is. And now the merchandising is coming out. So <laughs> they're going to make a ton of money off that. But uh, for me, I, I just kept thinking this Mandalorian feels like if if Boba Fett is the cool, sinister, evil, like older brother, this is the younger brother who wants to be cool, but like obviously is good. There's some goodness in him. So yeah. I don't know. There's something he's got moral code of some some kind. Right. So. Well, and I don't I don't know an enormous amount about Mandalorian lore. Um, but I don't think all the Mandalorians are bad. Just because they're bounty hunters doesn't mean that they're bad guys. Like, yeah. I mean, some of those people are their bounties because they're criminals or they're, you know, they. And what we saw with Boba Fett from uh, the Clone Wars is he became it's a vengeance mission for him. Really, growing up without a father, and and it, it almost looked like he may not have even been a part of the Mandalorian. Like he was just a bounty hunter, not necessarily. Yes, he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah. So they talk a lot about him in the Clone Wars cartoon. Um, and he definitely is like a criminal. Yeah. Uh, like he robs and steals and has a gang of people and he's he tries to kill Jedi. So I mean he ends up turning well, bad for sure. The man the Mandalorian in the show, he has an obvious mistrust of the Empire. Yeah. Because he goes in and immediately Werner, pulls his gun out. Exactly. And he, yeah. you could tell he whereas Boba worked with Darth yeah. Vader. Yeah. 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 I, I the other thing yeah. I think's interesting is um the time period where they're like you know now that the rep the the rebel alliance has overthrown the empire and blown up the death star and killed the emperor maybe uh the fact that like now there's no law across the galaxy in a lot of different areas and that totally makes a lot of sense because if all of a sudden everybody's thrown off the empire like the the stormtroopers even though everybody hated them they were keeping everything in check and in order and now all of a sudden, it's almost kind of like a lot of what happens in the Middle East. You know, like we, so a dictator gets overthrown, but now all of a sudden, everybody who was being kept in check by these people now are free to do whatever they want. And sometimes those people are good, and sometimes those people are bad. And yeah. you almost can have new bad things arise, like ISIS, out of something like Iraq, because Saddam Hussein's not there anymore to murder all their family, which is like, that's horrible, obviously, but it's like it keeps those people from rising up and taking their own evil place. So I think that's kind of an interesting element to this show that I hope they kind of get into more because it kind of like turns this like sort of narrative of the the good guys winning the war and saving the galaxy against the empire when in reality some place would actually get worse because the stormtroopers aren't there anymore to keep yeah. thugs in check. Yeah. So and even like his plane that he's walking around on, I thought was kind of showed that a little bit, depicted that a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, where he gets, where he meets the the former imperial guy, and um, one thing I did like is the fact that like it feels like an updated version of the original trilogy's like sets and dressing, like the art department. Feels yes, it does. Really, yeah, it really, really does. good. Like I like yep. out of all the stuff that's been made since the original trilogies, like this is probably my favorite art department and sets and locations um, out of all. Yeah, it brings that nostalgia feeling yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, I think yep. they even filmed with like the original cameras. Oh, that's Because cool. it, it feels, especially the second episode, I was like, oh, this is episode six, you know? Yeah. 
with the with the Jawas and Tatooine. The Jawas are in episode four. Okay, but yeah. also yeah. and yeah, um, and the wipes. They, yeah, the wipes. Yeah, yeah, even, yeah. When the first wipe came, I was like, "Yeah, baby." You know, I mean, it's like that's the kind of wipe that if you did that in an editing project, I'd be like, "What in the world? Take yeah. that out of there." Get that. Well, butt. even like the fact that they use sound and music to go yeah. along with the wipes, like that's always a classic Star Spielberg Wars. or uh, Lucas. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, yeah. I feel like they really have like yeah, it feels like a continuation of Episode Six. Like this is like Episode Seven. Yeah, or it a six point five yep. or something. You know, like, oh, hey, now we're going to yep. tell you this. Almost like Rogue One sort of like bridged the gap between episode three and episode four. I feel like this is kind of bridging the gap yeah, between I agree with that. six and seven. Um, so I I also really like the cinematography. I think the cinematography is pretty top notch in the movie or in the show. See, classic right there. I agree. I like I like their use of like handheld mixed with like dolly shots and, and big wide landscape shots. Uh, it's very... Yeah, it's very well done. Yeah, it feels very classic Hollywood. Yep, it does. Yeah, they talked about how um, the influences for the show are like, I think it's like The Last Samurai or something, and then a lot of westerns and stuff like that, where it's kind of, there was was an old story or old movie where it's a samurai and he had a baby, and he protected the baby and stuff like that, so that's kind of where the Mandalorian story's going with that. And then, obviously, when they go into where baby yoda is at the shootout i felt very western and Mm -hmm. yeah 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 and and the other thing i think uh as a star wars fan i love that they're bringing in elements once again from like the original trilogies that um that just make you like immediately like it's a little bit of like a fan service but not completely because it's really more like staying within like the lore and the world that they created like having that ig7 character like IG-8 was one of the bounty hunters that Darth Vader hired to go after Han Solo in episode yep. four. Or no, five. Uh, five. Empire Strikes Back. Four, five, six. Five, yeah. Five, five uh, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so it's just fun that like it wasn't IG-8, but it's another like IG character. And then obviously back in the day, we didn't get to see how it really fought. And like getting to see it fight, like that was pretty pretty awesome and then he shoots in the head at the very end and even like the Jawas like we've seen the Jawas in episode 4 with Luke and you know C-3PO and R2-D2 and all that stuff and then he comes back later and he sees the stormtroopers have attacked it and Obi-Wan is like no these are too accurate there's no way this was uh, sand people this was done by stormtroopers but we never get to see somebody actually like go inside and like try to fight it and attack it so I thought that was fun too, like getting to like sort of like get into the world of the Jawas a little bit more, but still play tribute to what has already been established about them. Um, so I think that those little aspects that they're doing, like totally works great for me, you know. And this and yep. the slower story, like doesn't really bother me. Like the the sort of Western style or the samurai style. The samurai last samurai I think is a great example because the Mandalorians and the samurai like both have this like ritualistic almost religion around their warfare. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they're using a samurai as an example. Yeah. Um, what's some other stuff that you like about it, Evan? Yeah. What I really liked about it was immediately. I agree. I felt the strong Western influence in this. And I, 
I liked that and I kind of had some reservations about it too. So what I liked about it was it was almost, I don't know, this is more of a preference, but it was almost campy in some ways. The way he would like walk around and get kind of like tossed around in the first episode by whatever those creatures were called and trying to mount it and ride it. And kind of the way he would walk at times and and just kind of like you could tell he has like inner dialogue going on. There was like a, a kind of a campiness to it, but I appreciated that because it reminded me of the original trilogy. There is some of that almost like a cheesiness to it, mm-hmm. kind of subtle sprinkled on top. So it's, you're having fun. There's a serious element. Obviously, there's a serious element. There's some bribery going on, some thieving. And at the same time, there's moments where it almost makes you laugh to yourself because you think it's a little silly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. For me, that makes it enjoyable. And it does bring, like we were saying, a tie-in with the original trilogy. It has that vibe. I think some of the newer movies that they've come out with haven't had that. They've tried to make it a super polished execution. And then it almost feels detached from what we know of as like the original trilogy feel, the nostalgia, the set design. And so on that aspect, I really liked it. I also like the look of it. Like you said, the cinematography, the colors, kind of the worlds that he goes to, the different planets. It's it's very um, beautiful to look at, entertaining to watch. Um, And I think the character himself, uh, and it's partly one of my concerns with the show, with only having seen two episodes, is he seems to have a, a lot of potential and there's a lot of curiosity as me as a viewer to want to see more about him developed and find out more about him. But after watching the second episode, it didn't really seem like they advanced that too much. And so it left me feeling a concern of if they don't kind of let us get to know him more, um, kind of the masked nature of him, although it's entertaining at first, it's kind of sinister. He's cool. He's kind of BA guy. Um, I feel like that's going to wear off real quick if we don't really know who he is. And they kind of do that with like a flashback, you know, in, in episode yeah. one, there's a flashback scene when he gets his armor and uh, it makes me just want to know more about him. I don't, I don't personally want to have the mask come off because I, I, I like the fact that he has the mask, but if they give us more flashbacks or more context as to like who he is within this group as a Mandalorian and the guild, I think, like you were saying earlier, Ryan, it will pay off, I think, at the end of the season if they're able to do that and build on it well. But if they don't, it'll really feel hollow and almost almost childish to me. Because if he's just a, an object running around, um, like he does some really cool things in one moment, and then in the next moment he seems really vulnerable and he gets like bullied around by a little animal... <laughs> It's like you don't I don't really know how I should feel about him. Should I feel like he's totally this incredible awesome Mandalorian? Um but at the next moment they kind of try and make you feel like he's earning his stripes to become a a really legendary Mandalorian and obviously I can see that they're going down that road, but I just hope they deliver it well. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, him not being able to like take out the Jawas, I feel like sort of felt like that a little bit. Where it's like, come on, this guy's like a trained killer. Um, now, when he yeah. fought that big, uh, 
when they wanted the Jawas wanted him to get that egg. Dude. That was a pretty He took so many hits. Yeah, he did. And that was a pretty <laughs> good scene. I liked that where it was like because that was actually um I don't know if you guys remember, but in episode two, that's actually one of the animals that they used to try to kill uh Obi Wan and Anakin and Padme in the arena. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Um and so um and like the Jedi's make rather quick work of it to some degree, but it's not like they just immediately kill it right off the bat. But it's like the fact that yeah. he like was still able to kill something that Anakin Skywalker killed. It's like, you know, it kinda like shows that like in my head, like, oh okay, like yeah, he was it he took a beating, but he did win. Yeah. Well, with the help of Yoda. But baby Yoda, but I was gonna say, all you need to do to kill that thing is apparently lift it in the air and then stab it with a pocket knife. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, huh. Yeah, that exactly. That part was a little weird. That, like, stabbed it. Like, that was... like he knows exactly where to stab it. Apparently, <laughs> in the neck. I was like, that's a little with weird. a really short dagger. Yeah, it would have been nice <laughs> if that had been a longer blade. Yeah. I would have been able to believe that a little bit more. I thought that too. I was like, yeah. wow, that one little prick did it. Yeah. Okay. Not yep. to mention he has a flamethrower. Yep. So, you know, I liked it when the the little Jawas or whatever are, like, talking, and then he's like, well, what about you? And he tries to flamethrower them, and <laughs> yeah. that was pretty funny. <laughs> exactly. And then, obviously, we're seeing that the Mandalorian is lonely because the one person who's, like, helping him, he's, like, offering to have him on his crew. You That's know? true. And the guy's like, nope, yes. I have spoken. That's um, my favorite character so far <laughs> in the show. I love that guy. I just want to start saying that. Yes. I want to start saying that. He's mesmerizing. Helen. I have spoken. Yeah, well, and Evan knows this. I think that would go over really well with her. Yeah, Evan knows this with me. My favorite thing about the Star Wars is always if they have funny alien creatures. Every time yes. a Star Wars movie will always have one, at least one alien creature that I'm just, like, obsessed with. He's usually on a gun or he's, like, a commander or something. Yes. And uh, they haven't quite done I mean, Baby Yoda, obviously, is just the cutest thing in the world, so... Yeah, they had, they did. You're waiting. You're waiting for that unique species to show up. <laughs> that's like weird and almost makes you cringe, but you just laugh instead well, and, and you love it. He'll have like a line or he'll do something because I think in Rogue One they had a guy on a machine gun and he was like, <laughs> yes. and he was like shooting, and then um, yeah, he looked like a madman. Yeah, it was just hilarious. Last Jedi, there was like a blue hairy, almost looked like an ant eater or something, and he was like a commander. He had like a <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's like they're overpowered, guys. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah, it's just it goes right there along with, uh, with Admiral Akbar yes. just being like, "What attack? It's a trap." Yeah, I think uh, uh, that is one thing that they, at least they are doing well too. That I think once again makes it feel more like a Star Wars. It feels more like it's in the Star Wars world, especially for me being a big Star Wars fan, playing a lot of Star Wars games, watching all the movies, watching the cartoons, reading different books. It's like there's so many planets that a human-looking creature goes to that it's full of aliens. Yeah. And they're not. there's not, like, humans walking around. Like, the whole planet is aliens. And, uh, and so I like the fact that, like, in wherever town that he was in where he goes and gets his bounties and stuff, that um, the only other human that he really ran into was the guy who gave him, the, you know, the next job. Or the two, I guess, the two guys that he ran into was, you know, the stormtroopers, I guess, technically, then would be humans, too. But, you know, a lot of the city was full of aliens and selling random alien stuff. And, like, it wasn't—that's also a problem with some of the newer ones is, like, 
the entire rebel ships are full of humans. Yeah. And some of this fun stuff about the old ones was the fact that it was a bunch of random people. You know, yeah. you, even Rogue One did a good job of showing that, where it's like all these different creatures and species of, of aliens that were part of the troops and part of the, you know, starships and you know all that kind of stuff. Yep. So I do like that. Even like, you know, the guy that his first bounty that he had to get, you know, it's like it was an alien, you know, when he had to fight off the other guys that were surrounding Baby Yoda, like all of them were mostly aliens. You know, the guy that helped them, the farmer is an alien, you know, it's just I like all that. Yeah, did you like uh uh, I, the one thing I'm missing in The Mandalorian is that social justice robot from Solo, who are we to take seriously or are we to laugh at? And apparently Lando's in love with. Yeah, That happened, guys, this in that movie. This isn't about Rogue One time. It's about The Mandalorian. Hey, let, me just, let me just be clear here, because I, I, I think I got roped in by association on this one. I did not like Solo. <laughs> Yes. I've tried going back. I've tried going back and rewatching it because I have Netflix and it's on there for free. Yeah. And I I have not ever been able to sit through it entirely like since. I watched it once in the theaters. I've tried to go back and watch it two more times. And both times I'll it's get boring. like 20, 30 minutes into it and I'm just like, I'm done. Yeah. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. <laughs> I'm not getting the nostalgia vibes. The story's not very good. No. And yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just going to throw that out there now because I don't like I was, all of the Star Wars. I wasn't Wars's. trying to rope you in by association, Evan. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But I'm saying you're not a hater that. with an eight. Because if you did, I... Mm. I, I will say this. I just looked up um, episode three on IMDb for The Mandalorian, and uh, a person said this. I had to make an account after watching this episode. I was very encouraged after the first two episodes, but still a little, he- a little bit hesitant. After episode Ooh. three, I'm all in. This is a must watch. All right, all right. Okay. So, I, I'm just, I'm just waiting for when they start introducing these other characters. Because if you look at the homepage of the Mandalorian, there's like other people that hasn't been introduced yet. So maybe that's going to be part of it. Because there's like a female role it looks like, yeah. and and at least one other character I can't remember what they looked like. And I'm interested to see what that dynamic's going to be like. Because if there's a, I mean, I just have to say it. How awesome was it when they get onto a ship, like at the beginning of the first episode, he picks up that guy for a bounty, uh, the blue-headed like alien yeah, guy, yeah. and he keeps talking, like he talks way too much, and he just goes downstairs to go to the bathroom, and the Mandalorian just like sneaks down there and throws him into, what is that, like the, the cryo chamber yeah, or whatever yeah. it is? And he, <laughs> it was just so nostalgic, but awesome. You're thinking this guy's gonna be well. I like a man. I like how Cloud City had the had like this huge building for that, where like the Mandalorian can just have it on his ship. <laughs> it's just in his little <laughs> spaceship. I was like, that's which, which, pretty advanced. <laughs> which apparently isn't supposed to be a very nice one because that guy tries to buy it from him <laughs> and says, "I can get you in a better ship." Yeah, I got a lot of credits. <laughs> I'm guessing that. He drives or he flies more of like a, um, almost like a work ship, like a cargo ship is what my guess would be. And that's probably why he has yep. like the more like freezing stuff on there and things like that. What's interesting is uh, in episode six or five, when they do that, um, they say, Boba Fett's saying, telling Darth Vader, like, we've never tried this on a human before. We don't like, 
nobody's mm. ever tried this on a human before. We don't know if it's going to work. Um, and then like, and if he's killed, he's not worth as much to me. And Darth Vader's like, I don't really care. We're going to try it on Han Solo, so that way I can try it on Luke. And I'm not going to let Luke die, but I also don't want Luke just running around loose. So we're going to freeze like, Luke. Luke. So he's like, so if, if Han dies, whatever, you have a dead bounty now. And then they do it, and they say, like, everything's fine. He's he's alive. So apparently Boba Fett then went back and taught his other Mandalorians, or or somehow they found out, and that's now he's, he's it's like become common practice now. Which I was going to say, it's common because that's just how they do business. They got a guy, like, offloading him off his spaceship looking yeah. like it's no big deal. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know what I like uh, yeah. about the first episode is we get a little taste of the Empire is gone, and so therefore we understand the economic implications of that because he goes to Carl Weathers and he tries to like, you know, yep. yeah. Carl Weathers tries to give him Empire credit or yeah. whatever, and he's like, this is worthless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that this little kind of like lore of like just what happened after. Yeah. I mean, it really would be. It would just be devastating to the yeah. galaxy. Yeah. I mean, it's like if um, I don't even know if there's really a good example of it to be honest. But if like if the British Empire had all of a sudden just vanished, you know, like they just. I feel like if America vanished. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just a big power. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a big power change. Yeah, well, but I guess like I'm thinking the British just because they had like colonies all over the place and different like pockets, like where we don't really have like colonies in the same way. But if it's like all of a sudden, if you're in like Papua New Guinea and all of a sudden the British Empire is destroyed, all your British money isn't good anymore. The governors are gone. The troops are gone. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, well, who's in charge? And it's like it kind of creates anarchy for something as small as Papua New Guinea. Like something's going to be figured out for London. Something's going to be figured out for Australia. Something's going to be figured out for Canada. But for Papua New Guinea, it's going to be a few years before anybody even pays attention to you. <laughs> yeah. But you're still there and you're still living and you still have to like feed your family and survive and have jobs. So it's like all of a sudden everybody's like, who's the boss? You know, and it's like good people would rise up or bad people would rise up. And, you know, it could be kind of like almost become these little like pirate havens or places for sort of, you know, the unruly to to kind of come and go as they please, you know? So it's kind of like a fun twist on, and that, and that's a fun twist that I'm okay with. Some yeah. of these other like newer fun twists that they're doing where they're like, the force isn't really good or bad. It's just the force, you know, or, <laughs> yeah. or it's not a lightsaber. It's a, it's a laser stick or, you know, what a laser sword, you know, it's, it's like those little things where you're like, stop trying to like turn that aspect of Star Wars on its head, but turning the idea that like, it's almost sort of like growing up. You think, oh, if this happens, it's always good. And you're like, well, no, actually, there's like negative consequences to good things. Yeah. You know, the the the, the defeating of the Nazis created the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Is it good that the Nazis were gone? Yeah. But did it suck for everybody that was on East Berlin and wasn't able to see their family on West Berlin all of a sudden? Yeah. You know, so it's like I kind of like that element, you know. Yeah, the nuance of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's more complicated than just something super childish yeah. and simple. Yeah. Uh, Makes it more entertaining. So I looked it up. There's only eight episodes for this season. So with yeah. the third episode just came out today. Uh, like, So that's four hours of content unless there's a long one stuck in there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Um, but, I mean, that means we're... we're um, a quarter of the way through 
the all the three of us who have watched two episodes so far. Um, yep. So that's not a lot. That's a pretty, so no, it'll be interesting to see I, where they go. Yeah. Well, that's where I'm coming from. I knew that there was only eight. And when I, when I watched the first one, it was only a half hour and I, and I already knew that there was only going to be eight. That's where I was like, oh, this story isn't going to progress as quickly as I want it to as a fan. Yeah. Because if I have an hour episode and I have eight of them, that's eight hours. That's double, right? Um, so it, it was, it was already, uh, a blow, I think just for, just for my fandom wanting more Star Wars, I'm going to get less than I thought. Doesn't necessarily mean that the story's going to be bad, but it's just going to be short. It was, uh, it's going to be shorter than I wanted. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the Ryan described it really well. If you're listening and you're kind of like, what type of show is it? It's like a, an RPG show. Yeah. It feels like Fallout. Yeah. Yeah. So you have hmm. your character, he does stuff, he's getting new armor. So there's lore there. But then there's also side quests, you know, if you want your, your ship's been dismantled, so to do that, you have to go fight this monster and all that yeah. stuff. So yeah, it's, it's just, well, like, yeah, in a lot of RPGs, it's like you have, like, you get a quest from somebody, go get this baby, but you get there, and the guy's like, oh, that's fortified, but if you learn how to ride this <laughs> dragon head creature, I'll then show you. So you got to ride the dragon head creature, and then yeah. you get there, and then it's like, oh, now you got to partner up with this robot. Oh, now you got to kill the robot. Okay, now you have the baby, but now you come back and your ship's destroyed. Now you got to go check track down the Jawas. Oh, but they won't give it to you unless you give them your prize possession, your armor, which is what they're asking for, or you got to go get this dragon egg or this egg, whatever the egg is, and he literally goes into a cave, which is what they always call those kind of ga- games, like cave crawlers, Uh you got to fight this thing. They bring back this egg. Finally gets his parts, but now he's got to repair his ship. It's like, it's just like every, what, you know, it's supposed to be a simple step ends up turning into like 15 different yeah, quests yep. that you have to do. Yes. Just to get the one yep. thing that you want for this yep. person, you know? Um, and that kind of is what, it, and so I'm very curious to he- see what now happens because he's flying back to turn into yep. baby Yoda. And is it like, I'm like, is it really that simple? He's just going to hand them over. It feels like there's going to be another quest before there's, he. There has to be. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I think there has to be. He also has a mistrust of robots, of droids. Yeah, which is yeah. really interesting. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're learning little things about him. He's a loner. Doesn't trust droids. His he's family, obviously his family was all murdered in some ex- battle. Exactly. So he's not like a true Mandalorian. It's almost yeah. like an orphan Mandalorian. Um. So well, I think is I, I think he's a Mandalorian. Do you think he's a, not a Mandalorian? No, because you saw the little children there, like helmets and stuff, when he went in to go get his armor, and then in the flashback they were like wearing robes and they didn't oh, have helmets. So you think so he's a Mandalorian a, always wears a helmet? Like that's the the like religion. Yeah, they are so yeah, their armor. The, they are like that's who they are. Well, I know that and, part. I just didn't know if it happens like at a certain age, and he just wasn't that old yet. Yeah, I was. I was doing some research on what a Mandalorian was because I didn't know. And that's what they were saying. With those flashbacks, they're trying to tell us that he most likely wasn't born a Mandalorian and that he got adopted or taken in somehow. And um, whatever it meant when the lady doing the armor asked, has your signet been revealed? Uh, And he says no. I think that obviously has a lot of significance. We don't know what it is yet, and I'm curious. Uh, It sounds like it will be kind of... I don't know, maybe something will happen at the end of this season. Um, 
whatever that is, whatever it looks that's like. Kind of but, a, yeah, I don't. That's kind of funny that I it's called the Mandalorian and he's not a Mandalorian. Well, last I think time he's I, trying to. Well, yeah, I think he's trying to prove himself because, right? Because you have the moment where the whatever, like the farmer guy, who's kind of like the uh, wide sage, right? He he's basically like, oh, you can't get on that. Well, you know, your ancestors, the legendary Mandalorians, were able to ride this big giant like dragon thing, and so then that's basically like his motivation to try it. Yeah, I think if he was a real motor, like a real Mandalorian from birth, I don't think that would have had the same impact on him as we saw in that moment. Yeah, but huh. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see how they develop his yeah, yeah his little story as far as what happened with his family and everything. Yeah, and then at one point when she when he gave the the medal, she was like, "Oh, this will be enough to make you whatever his whatever the word it is the armor that went on his shoulder starts with a P, yeah, and I just can't pronounce it correctly." Uh, but and then um, but then she's like, "The leftovers will help," and she said some term. And he was like, I was one of those. Mm. And she's like, yeah, I know you were. So I'm guessing maybe then that's what that is. Maybe some kind of like little program that they do where they help orphans get off the streets and let them train in the ways of the Mandalorians, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. That'd be cool. Yeah. If they kinda, That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that'd be cool if they kind of develop that a little bit more because it'd be interesting to learn more about that. You know, yeah. like these fearless or, or kind of feared fighters that are sort of lacking in mercy, yet then bring in these orphans and like provide for them. Yeah. So here's what I here's what I see. I think this is the struggle and the complexity that they're trying to build within this character. I think they're trying to say, or just early on impressions here, he is not a Mandalorian from birth. He's trying to prove himself as a Mandalorian, trying to get and aspire to that level, whatever it is that he's trying to get to with the full armor or whatever his signet is. And he now has this baby Yoda and you can already start to see the signs of wonder and amazement and some conflict in himself with what to do because he already shot that droid when it wanted to kill uh, the baby Yoda. So I think I think they're going to play that up that, I don't know, like he's going to be stuck in between a tug of war of should I side with the Mandalorian? Should I side with whatever this baby baby Yoda represents? Who am I? And all of those struggles kind of coming together. I think at some point we're going to see more of that, which will be interesting. I think I, I think it would be interesting if he's tried all his life up to this point to try and be this Mandalorian and to either go rogue from that and pursue something with this Yoda character and protect him. Because clearly I think what we're kind of looking at here is whoever's hired him to do this job probably doesn't want this Yoda alive because of what they said when they did the contract that he could come in even dead at a lower price. And then the scientist says, well, that wasn't the deal. You know, we didn't agree on that. So I think, I think we're going to see some, some rebellion there, some defense for this baby Yoda. And it'll be very interesting. So you got to think of it this way. So, Mandalorian takes place like how many years after the Empire? I think it's like a couple seems, years or something. Well, it after. seems like relatively soon. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're still trying to pay people with Imperial money. Yeah. And the yeah. Empire still exists. So I yeah. would say probably like a couple years at the yeah. most. And jo- uh, Yoda had been in exile for how long? Like 20, 30 years or something like that? 
Well, since however old Luke was, he went into exile when they were born. Okay. Um, and so the Mandalorian, and when Yoda died, he says, I'm the last of my kind, or whatever, and he died. So the Mandalorian could be the last of his kind, whatever his kind is, and he's never seen a ba- baby Yoda uh, because he was like, wait, they said this was 50 years old. It was like different species have different age range. And it's the Empire that wants Yoda, baby Yoda. So they could be like, if we get him while he's young, we can make him the next Darth Vader or the Emperor. Yeah. Or, you know, make him evil because he's obviously Yoda is like the most powerful Jedi ever. So, and seeing this baby being able to use the Force and has awareness, trying to heal the Mandalorian. And yeah. So. There's definitely ulterior motives as well as the complications that the Mandalorian has of seeing something he's never seen before, seeing that it has special abilities and powers, obviously having a mistrust of the Empire because as soon as he walked in there, he drew his guns on them. Yeah. So, well, that would be my guess is he's like, you're trying to make this guy into a weapon and become powerful again. Yeah. What was interesting is that he didn't. I did like the fact. I, I actually liked this, but I found it like interesting because I was like, "Oh, yeah, I guess that would make sense that he wouldn't." But like, he didn't recognize the Force. Yeah. But at that point, right. not many people actually believed in the Force anymore. You know, yeah. even even in Episode Four, you know, the Admiral made fun of Darth Vader and said, "You know, like, your witchcraft basically and like ancient religion has never." you know, yep, done blah, blah, exactly. blah, blah, you know, this battle station, blah, 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 you know. And basically it's like our technology and our weaponry is what makes the empire strong, not your ancient uh, religion. And um, and that's when he then starts to choke him. So I thought that was kind of interesting that they're like, what is it? And even the other guy, the one that's like, I have spoken, like none of, neither of them like knew what it was. Yeah. They're like, explain yep. what happened again. And he's like, I don't really even know, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> and that was kind of like a fun thing to like see through his eyes, somebody who had never experienced the force and then yeah. like trying to like understand how it's possible that he could free something. Uh, especially the fact that the Mandalorians, their weapons are their religion. So it's that sense of weapons are the most powerful thing. Therefore we worship it. And so for once he's seen something more powerful than his very weapons that yeah. can't stop this monster. Yeah. Except for his pocket wife, <laughs> pocket knife. Um, but so, Obviously, his religion is being questioned in that moment. Like everything he knows is, yeah, it's being questioned. So it's interesting. Yeah, and that he has like the sense of amazement for it too. Yeah, um, and kind of like on the spiritual side, not just the power side. It seemed like. Well, uh, I know we gotta wrap this up soon. Uh, but any final thoughts? I'm looking forward to episode three. That's my final. Yeah, my thought. first final thoughts that I want to say is. I hope secretly, I hope, well, it's not secret anymore, that the robot comes back. I know we shot him like in the robot's head or whatever, but I hope that that robot makes another return because it was nice, classic Star Wars, like droid comedy relief. Yeah. But he was also like amazing in a fight. Yeah. So I would love to see him come back and either, either way, fight (laughs) the Mandalorian because he got shot in the head by him. Or come back and fight alongside him again. I'd love to see that again because that 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 shooting scene in the first episode was very entertaining. 
I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it, it gave and just mixed with his like hatred towards it. It was yeah. Funny. It, it gave me like uh, Harrison Ford vibes. Yeah. When he's like going into self destruct and he's like, "Don't you self destruct?" You know, yeah. like that was very much Harrison yeah. Ford back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So right. And it and going back to what you were saying, Todd, about the the droid in Solo, how cringeworthy that was <laughs> uh, as a viewer and how uncomfortable that was, and the complete wrong implementation of a droid human relationship yeah. uh as we know it in star wars like this is right back on track i think yeah so i i really like that <sighs> final thoughts on mandalorian time uh i'm i'm liking it a lot uh it's very enjoyable i think it's short enough like you always want to leave them wanting more and they succeed in that it definitely is I think if it was an hour and it was the same feeling, you would feel like you wasted your hour. But because it's shorter, you kind of have more of an excuse. And I think it'll be a lot more binge-worthy when they're all out. Yeah. be easier to go back through watching. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, Evan, thanks for joining us as always. and Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been a Studio Red production. For more, go to studioredmedia.com.